Welcome to this message from Shofar Christian Church. May you experience God's grace as you listen to this word being preached. Thanks, Catherine. So, uh, as we mentioned, um, in case you forgot, today is Mother's Day. And uh, make sure you, you give your mother a, a call or um, send a few nice words to her. And um, can I ask all the mothers to stand, please? We, wanna, we, we just want to pray for you. and Lots of mothers in the house. I have the privilege of having my own mother here. <laughs> and um, we just want to say to you ladies, um, you're very special to us. Uh, mothers have superpowers. Uh, we all realize that. We all know that because uh, we all had mothers. <laughs> we all have mothers. And so... Um, yeah, mothers, we, yeah, we just want to bless you and we just want to thank you because um, if there's one thing that mothers do, and, and I'm, I'm actually going to be sharing about this more in my sermon as well, um, it's really sacrifice for their families. And we see the sacrifices that you have made and that you are making for us as your families. And we just want to thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Thank you for being willing to sacrifice. Thank you for... Um, yeah, so often putting yourself last so that you can put your family first. Uh, may the Lord really bless you for that. Uh, we know that there are a lot of things that you do that, that we don't even know about, that no one else even sees, but know that God sees everything that you do, uh, and, and He will reward you. Um, so let's just stretch out our hands towards all the mothers, and let's just pray for them and, and bless them. Father God, we just come to you in Jesus' name. And we just want to thank you for mothers. Thank you that you made mothers to just express and reflect um, a very precious and very powerful part of your own character and being. And we just want to bring all these mothers standing here this morning to you. We want to thank you for them, Lord. We want to bless them, Lord. We pray, Lord, that, that you will bless them, Lord God, that your hand will be upon them for good, Lord God. We pray, Lord God, that any dreams that they've had to sacrifice for their families and for the good of their families, that you will, um, yeah, what they have sown, that, that, that you will cause them to reap, Lord, 30, 60, even 100-fold, Lord, what they have sown, what they have given up, Lord God. We pray that you'll make their dreams come true, Lord God. Thank you that you know their hearts. And thank you, Lord, that you are able to, to give them, Lord, their heart's desire and even more. So we just bless them, Lord God. We just consecrate them to you. We pray, Lord God, that they'll experience your love and your presence and your grace and your goodness in their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. We have a um, little gift for, for the mothers. Uh, I don't know if the, the ushers can... Yeah, the mothers must please remain standing. Please remain standing because we want to give you a little gift. Um, just want to give you a... a it's uh, just a small token of our love and appreciation for you. So the, the youth guys are going to help hand out uh, the little gifts. Um, we know we can never pay you or repay you for all the good that you do for us, but this is just a little token of our love and appreciation. Thank, thank you to all, all you mums.
Okay. Amen. And for those of you whose moms weren't here, like I said, remember to, to give them a call and, and thank them. You literally wouldn't be here if it weren't for your mother. <laughs> okay. So I actually want to um, speak a bit about um, mothers and mothering and, and just how powerful it is. And we see um, many, there are many ways in which we see how, how powerful mothering is and, and, and how powerful, uh, what an important role mothers play in the lives of their children. Um, they are, my wife always says, you know, any, you, you're, you're, you're at home and you help and do all that kind of stuff, but I'm the primary caregiver. <laughs> if you're away for a while, the kids don't miss you that much. They miss you, but not that much. But when I'm away, <laughs> because I'm the, I'm the primary caregiver, and that's, that's true. You know, um, m- mothers are, are exactly that. Um, I, I remember a, a sort of an interchange when, when uh, Ethan's seven years old now, so he's, he's in big school now, you know. So very proud of himself. But a couple of years ago, he was, he was still quite small. I, I, he might have been three or four, or somewhere in that ballpark. And um, we were sort of teasing him and saying, um, you know, that uh, Justin and, and, and them were saying, no, mama is my mama. And Ethan was saying, no, she's my mama. <laughs> and then I, I sort of, because we were seeing, he was sort of getting aggravated about this, you know, it's, it's his mom. He was very possessive of his mom. So I, I said, no, but before she was your mom, she was my wife. And I, I sort of leaned over to give her a hug and, and Ethan was pushing me away and saying, no, my mama, my mama. And Kirsten also jumped on the bandwagon and said, but I was the one who made her a mama. Before I came along, <laughs> before I came along, she wasn't even a mama. And Ethan, Ethan was getting upset and he was shouting and saying, no, my mama, my mama. <laughs> and and it, it just shows you that the connection that children have with their mom, it's, it's not a rational connection. It's a very deep emotional connection. Um, and and I, I really thought what, uh, you know, Ethan's response was, um, was really telling. Um, you know, in, they say in, in uh, you know, m- men, grown men who, who get wounded on the battlefield often cry out for their mothers. And it, it just shows you that, that, that safe space, that, that need that was met by a mother is something that stays with people for the rest of their lives. I, I remember there was this little uh, Colgate um, ad on TV Many of you would have seen it of, of these boys, you know, the ladder standing against the wall and they climbed up the ladder and they were sitting on the wall and they were like all tough and saying, we just want to tell our mothers that they must stop, you know, treating us like babies and stop hugging us and kissing us and, you know, all this and that and the other. And they, and they were getting all up, uh, you know, worked up and the one guy kicked the, 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 the ladder and sort of fell over and they sort of stopped and looked at the ladder and looked at one another and said, mommy, <laughs> you know. <laughs> And it just just shows you, you know, um, you know, some some sometimes boys act tough and they act like they don't need their moms, but you know, we, we all um, need a mother. And just just another saying that we that we use that also shows me how powerful a mother's love is, is you know, when when we when, when we sort of jokingly say, even his mother couldn't love him. <laughs> 
and, and, and sort of the truth behind that saying and that joke is the fact that, that mothers love so well, they can love any child, no, ma- no matter how imperfect that child is, uh, mothers are, are able to love them. So it's, it's really a, a superpower that, that mothers have. Um, an- another way of, of looking at how important and how powerful something is, is by looking what happens when it's not there. Um, and many people talk about, you know, people who, who weren't mothered or, or didn't have a mother, um, have a, you know, talking about having a mother wound. And, um, you know, I think it's so powerful to look at, okay, you can, you can see how important something is by the effect when, you, when it's not there, when it's taken away. Um, and, and a mother wound, wound typically results in people who, who feel very deeply and, and it's, it's not, all of, much of this mother wound stuff is, is not on a rational cognitive level. You might know intellectually that um, this is probably not true about me, but, but because your mother started interacting with you while you were a baby, before you could speak or even think properly, so much of, of what a mother gives is subconscious and it's, it, it's, it's, it, it's, not, it's, it's not something we can think about or, or even understand. So, so people with a mother wound typically feel that there's something fundamentally wrong with them. They feel like they're unlovable. Um, they, 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 they often have trust issues for the rest of their lives. They, they often struggle to share themselves. So they, they'll just share selectively um, uh, of themselves with, with other people. They, they'll often be... You know, people pleasers who, who uh, are desperate for, for approval. Um, they'll, they'll often feel that their feelings are illegitimate. They, they'll often feel that love needs to be earned and that they're never enough, that, they, that they're unworthy, um, that love and relationships are unsafe. And it, and it just shows you, and, and, and typically people with a mother wound, unless it's healed, for the rest of their lives, they'll struggle with relationships. And it just shows you the absolutely indispensable role that mothers play in the lives of children, and especially in preparing us for relationship, preparing us to, to, to relate to others. So um, wh- why I'm sharing all that is to, to, to really tell you as, as mothers that you play a very important role in, in people's lives. The, the reality is everyone has a mother, and everyone needs a mother. God has given mothers, um, caused children to be born from mothers because everyone needs a mother, um, and mothering is, is so powerful because there are, there are two things. Now, this, this is not an exhaustive list. It's not a complete list. But there are two things that, that mothers do that either no one else can do or that no one else can do as well. Okay? And those two things are very obvious things. Mothers give birth and mothers nurture. Okay? Um, in, if you can maybe just bring up that scripture in, um, in uh, yeah, John uh, 26 verse 21, it says, A woman giving birth to a child has pain because a time has come. But when a baby is born, she forgets the, uh, the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. And, you know, it, it sort of portrays both of those aspects. Firstly, um, the fact that, that mothers give birth to children. And they, they do it at a, I'm told it's not that easy. I mean, I, I've never done it, but I, I'm, 
I'm told it's, it's, it's quite a sacrifice and it's, it's quite painful and it's quite difficult. You know, it's hard work, you know. And um, it's, it's a real sacrifice that mothers make to, to, to bring their, their, their children into the world. And um, it's amazing how mothers, even though they sacrifice, and maybe it's because they sacrifice so much for their children, that, that there's, there's such a powerful connection between mothers and, and, and children. And, and what I've found... Now, now, this is probably not the same in every case, but I've, I've found that in general, you know, uh, uh, men, fathers that I've spoken to, you know, they sort of take a while before they sort of connect with a baby. You know, in the beginning, especially, the baby is this little worm, you know, sort of wrapped in a blanket, you know, mostly sleeping and crying and, and eating, you know, that kind of thing. And, and we sort of struggle to connect with them, you know, as much. Um, and then later, as they start becoming more interactive and they smile and eventually start talking and, and, and doing all that kind of stuff, then it's a bit easier for us as fathers to connect with them. But as the scripture says, from the very beginning, moms seem to be able to just connect and, 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 and have those big hearts that can just so easily empathize and, and connect. Now, what, what I want you to see about these two traits, giving birth and nurturing, is they are prototypical feminine traits they're not masculine traits they're feminine traits and and um there's a capacity to to birth and to nurture there's a capacity for intimacy for empathy and for self-sacrifice and giving that that um that mothers have but we're also seeing in the world that there's a a strong trend that the amount of women who don't want to become mothers are increasing. And why is that? Why, if, if, if being a mother is so powerful and so precious, why are there so many women, more and more women, deciding that they don't actually want to be mothers? Now, let me just say that I think it's a legitimate decision. If a woman decides, I don't want to marry, or I want to marry, but I don't want to have children, I, th- I think that's fine, and I think it's a legitimate decision. I'm, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but I'm, I'm saying that there's a tendency towards that. Why is there that tendency? And, and what, what I want to um, sort of hold before you is that there are two main reasons, an external reason and an internal reason why um, many um, more and more modern women are deciding not to become mothers. The external um, reason is, I think, that our culture is quite hostile in many ways, in subtle ways, towards women in general and mothers in particular. L- let me just give you an example. Um, often, women are, th- there's pressure put on women to, to be less feminine and more masculine. You know, to, 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 to be more like and act more like men. Um, there, there was this very um, sort of controversial thing in, uh, on the internet in the last couple of months uh, where, where there was a, um, a transgender social media influencer called Dylan Mulvaney. And he was given the marketing, he was paid lots of money, hundreds of thousands of dollars to market sports bras and and tights women's sports bras and tights for nike and a lot of women were 
understandably offended and hurt by this because they were saying, you know, the amount of money that is given to women for advertising is already a, a small portion of what is given. I can't remember what the stats were, but say only 10% of, of the marketing budget, say in America, goes to women. The other 90% goes to men. So they were saying that there's already so little, you know, opportunities for, men, for women to, to be involved in that. Um, and, and now there's this, this man who, who, who wants to be a woman and who sees himself as a woman who now that little budget that is available to women is now taking that as well, you know, as though there were not enough women athletes who could advertise that. Uh, and, and the worst of all, these women were saying that this guy doesn't even have breasts. He's a, he's a man who wants to be a woman, and he's had some, some surgery done to sort of soften his chin line and all of that kind of stuff. Um, and the message that the culture is sending to women is that men can do everything better than you, even be a woman. Men can even be a woman better than you can, can do. And, and I think that's so sad. I, I really think it's sad, and I, and I, and I really... Um, it, it grieves me to see how, in subtle ways, that our culture is often hostile towards, towards women. Um, but not only that, I mean, it's not only, you know, men, you know, the, the patriarchy, you know, if, if, you know as, as feminists say, but, but feminists themselves. I mean, I've, I've, I've heard so many, I mean, I, I think feminism um, has, has done as much as any other movement in our culture to, in a sense, push women to become more like men, to become more masculine, to do what... Now, let me be very clear. I think women can do um, almost everything that men can do. Women can do just as well. And there are obviously certain things that women can do better than men. I mean, we can also do a few things better. I mean, we can, we can, we can pick up heavy stuff, you know, and we can play rugby. There are a few things that we as men can also do better than, than women. But... But, but most things women can do just as well, and there are some things that women can certainly do better. Um, but there's, there's been a tendency, especially in second wave feminism, to push women to become more, to put pressure on women to become more like men and to, to, to compete with men. And, and what it's resulted in, and I think this is probably unintentional, but it is sad, that Feminism has subtly ended up looking down on women who choose to be mothers because that's not a proper job. That's the, basically the message that is given to, to, to mothers. You, you don't have a proper job. If, 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 if what you should be doing you know, as a woman is you should be out there in, in the corporate sphere, in the, in the working world, you know, competing with the men because you're better than the men. You know, and, and, and that's what you should be doing. You're actually compromising if you, if you have children, and you're comp especially compromising if you decide to stay home and be a stay-at-home mom for those children. And, and, and a lot of uh, feminists will look down on women who do that. And I think that's sad. I think, I think that, that, that pressure, sometimes subtle, sometimes not so subtle, is sad. And it just shows you the hostility of our culture towards women in general and mothers in particular. Um, and it's important for us as Christians to realize that God doesn't see it that way. To God, mothers and mothering is critically important. It, it makes 
such a difference in the life of a child. Now, now remember, mothers have children when children are at their most vulnerable, at their most receptive, and when you can actually make the most difference in a child's life. It's, it's much more difficult to change the life of an adult than it is to change the life of a child. And mothers can do that. And, and, and throughout human history, mothers have been doing, uh, have been doing that. Um, and, you know, where, where there are good men and, and good women in society, mothers have to get a lot of credit for that. Um, Proverbs even talks about the things that you learn at your mother's knee. There, there are things that, that mothers are able to teach their, their children almost without, without thinking about. So, so I think the one challenge, the external challenge, is a culture that is hostile towards mothering. Um, but, but I also think the other challenge often is an internal challenge because mothering takes so much self-sacrifice. Many modern women decide that they don't want to do it. Now, I think there are legitimate reasons to decide you don't want to have children. So that, that's fine. But if it's only for convenience, I don't think that's a, um, a good reason. But more than that, it's not just the, the sacrifice. But so often I think women make those sacrifices and, and then that sacrifice is not recognized and it's not appreciated. And it's, it, it becomes difficult to consistently make a sacrifice when there's no one else sacrificing for you. Isn't that so? Can I have an amen from the moms? <laughs> moms, moms actually love sacrificing for their families, but they also now and then want someone to sacrifice for them. It's nice, right? And it's necessary. So, so um, you know, what, what, two things that I, that I just want to say about that is, Number one, as husbands and children, um, let us appreciate the mothers in our lives. Let's notice the sacrifices they make and let's sacrifice for them too. Um, in, in, in the Trinity, you know, God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, God the Father obviously represents fathers, God the Son represents children, and God the Holy Spirit in some ways represents mothers um, and, and has many of the same nurturing characteristics according to scripture that, that mothers have and it's interesting to see in the trinity the relationship between the father and the son on the one hand and the, and the holy spirit on the other hand um, you know I'm, I'm thinking of that scripture if you can just maybe bring it up the one in, in Matthew uh, where it talks about um, blasphemy against the holy spirit where's uh, Tuba, can you? Um, just that, that scripture about um, blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. If you can just bring that up. Seems like we're struggling with the slides. But there's this place where, where Jesus um, is confronted by the Pharisees. And they say to him, you know, don't we rightly say that you cast out demons by Beelzebub, the prince of demons? Let me read it for you. Matthew 12, verse, from verse 31, it says, And so I tell you, every kind of sin and slander can be forgiven, but blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. Anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man, that's Jesus himself, will be forgiven. But anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age or in the age to come. And, and you sort of get the feeling that... Um, 
The father and the son say, listen, obviously you, you, you ought to respect us, but, but we'll still tolerate some disrespect towards us. We'll, we'll tolerate some slander towards us. That, that can be forgiven. But don't mess with the Holy Spirit. Don't mess with the one who represents mothers in the family. And, you know, I, I, in, in some ways I think that um, that should also be what God, the, the Trinity, is doing is setting an example for us as husbands and, and children and, and saying we should appreciate and protect the mothers in our lives and not l- allow people to mess with them, not allow culture to mess with them. Um, so the other thing I want you to see as well, um, and if you can just bring up uh, the birth, just the picture of the, the, the birth again, um, and, and Jesus, uh, just the scripture that comes after it as well. In, um, in John 3 verse 3, Jesus says to Nicodemus, unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. And think about this. We were just talking about mothers. I mean, no one does the work to birth themselves. Someone else does that work for them. Someone else makes that sacrifice for them. And just as that is true physically, that your mother does the work for you to be born into the world, so it is also true spiritually, right? So who does the work? Who makes the sacrifice? Who suffers the pain for us to be born spiritually, for us to be born again? Not us. Jesus does that. Jesus was the one who suffered on the cross, who did the hard work on the cross, the painful work, the sacrificial work on the cross, so that we can be born again. So in that sense, Jesus is like a mother. Or you can flip it around and say mothers are like Jesus. But not only that, if we we look at the second aspect, not just the birthing, but the the nurture. Um, If you you just bring up that scripture, you know, there's a picture of a hen uh, with her chicks under her wing. And then the scripture in um, Matthew 23 says, Jesus again speaking, saying, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you kill the prophets and stone those sent to you. How often I have longed to gather you your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings and you were not willing. In other words, Jesus says, not, not only does Jesus, like a mother, do the painful sacrificial work for, for us to be born spiritually, but Jesus, like a mother, has a nurturing heart. So in that sense also, mothers reflect Jesus. Jesus is like a hen who has that nurturing instinct and that, that, that uh, nurturing ability to, to stretch out his wings over his cheeks. And, you know, it's such a beautiful picture uh, because, because what it says is, I'm covering you. Any danger, any harm that would come to you, I will take it. I will absorb it. And, and you know, I've heard stories and actually seen uh, pictures of um, actually a... a, a a stunning picture of this this man, you know, walking around in in America. I think it's in the Yellowstone um, Nature Reserve. After a fire, a felt fire had taken place, and and he comes to a nest, and there's a dead mother bird sitting on it, 
and then he, he, he you know, we, we, you know, sitting on the nest, and and he sort of took a stick and he and he sort of, you know, uh, knocked her because she was burned, completely burned and charred, and sort of knocked her away. And and a bunch of live chicks jumped out from under her and started running around. I don't know if you've ever seen that video. And that mother sat on that nest and literally sacrificed her life for her chicks to, to cover them with her wings. She took the fire so that they could be saved from that. She, 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 she took a, her nurture of her chicks to the extent of giving her life for them. That's what mothers do, and that's what Jesus does as well. That's what he did for us on the cross. The fire of God's wrath, like a big mother hen, he took us under his wings and he took the, that fire, that judgment that we deserved so that we could survive it. And why I'm saying that is because I just want to remind you as mothers, you sacrifice a lot. Um, but in your sacrificing, you actually represent Jesus and God in a very special way that is very meaningful to the rest of us and very precious to God. There's an aspect of God that you reflect that is very powerful and very profound and very precious. Um, so if you're tempted to lose heart, think of that, that even when you sacrifice and others don't see it, even those that you sacrifice for don't notice it and aren't always thankful for it, Remind yourself that God sees it and that you're reflecting God's character. You're reflecting His nature because He also, in birth and in nurture, sacrifices Himself for those He loves, just like you as mothers do. But then also, I mean, even that encouragement, I don't think would be enough to continue sacrificing because the reality is sometimes you, you as, as, as mothers, as, as women in general and as, as mothers in particular, you also need someone to sacrifice for you. And as we see from those scriptures, Jesus is that one who will sacrifice more for you than you have to sacrifice for the people around you. And I, I want to encourage you as mothers Constantly go to Jesus. We, we as your, your husbands and your children, son, we, we, we'll try and sacrifice for you, but we will not always get it right. But Jesus is the one who will always sacrifice more for you than you have to sacrifice for him. And he'll always sacrifice more for you than you have to sacrifice for your family. And you need that. Unless you have someone who will sacrifice like that for you, you will become discouraged when you have to constantly sacrifice for others. So, just two things I want to sort of end off with in closing. Firstly, to, um, to all of us who have mothers in our lives, because of the nature of being a mother and, and the, the fact that, that both the birthing and the nurturing requires you to make so many sacrifices, not just physical sacrifices, but psychological, spiritual sacrifices, um, it means that, that even uh, no mother is perfect, but even imperfect mothers sacrificed more for you than you realize. <laughs> and we have to be thank you for, thankful for our mothers because they, they inevitably sacrificed more than we realize. When, when we be start becoming parents, we start realizing how much our parents sacrificed for us and start appreciating it more. 
But then for mothers as well, my best advice to you is go to the one who, sac- who has sacrificed like you have sacrificed and who, has, and, and who has and who continues to sacrifice for you. And he will appreciate what you do more than anyone else can. And he will sustain you through his sacrifice so that you can continue exercising your superpowers of birth and nurture by sacrificing for others. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Shofar Joburg. May the grace you receive produce God's greatest glory and your greatest good. For more information and sermons, please visit our website at www.shofar.joburg.com.